Welcome to this very special episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. This week, we'll be reviewing the latest hot take on teen angst in Netflix's I'm Not Okay With This, from the creator and director of The End of the Fucking World and the producers of Stranger Things, no less. We'll also be watching one-time Pilot TV Podcast special guest Russell Tovey in angsty family drama Flesh and Blood. And back on Netflix is season two of the show famously reported to cost more than Game of Thrones, Altered Carbon. I'm Boyd Hilton, and apologies, but I'm on the Belen host's mic, because for the first time in our 73-episode, 18-month history, Terry White and James Dyer are both away at the same time. I can only apologise. Terry's pretty good excuse is that she's had an actual baby. Yes, <laughs> Emlyn William Wharton was born yesterday, so this is Friday today, Friday the something of, of uh, February the 21st, but yesterday on the 20th, Terry's baby was born, we can confirm. It's been on Instagram, obviously, starts we mean to go on. And Emlyn William Wharton has, has presumably already watched seven seasons of Law and Order SVU. <laughs> um, we dedicate this episode of the podcast to baby Emlyn. Oh. Meanwhile, baby James Dyer is at Disney World for a week... In Florida, drinking blue milk and mingling with fellow Star Wars nerds and immersing himself in Baby Yoda merchandise. He may never return. But we have a pretty, pretty good lineup anyway. Fan favourite and frequent contributor and co-host Beth Webb of Bechdel Test Fest fame is here. Hello, Beth. Hello to you, Boyd. And congratulations, Terry. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, congratulations, Terry. Amazing work. Absolutely. And we have a very special actual TV creating guest sitting in for the duration of the podcast this week. He starred in some of the finest TV comedies and dramas of recent years, from Hunderby and Camping to W1A and The Casual Vacancy. He also played Bernard Delfont alongside Stephen Coogan and John C. Riley in Stan and Ollie. And he starred as Terry Jones, the late, great Terry Jones, in the BBC4 film Flying Circus. Hello, Rufus Jones. Hey, Boyd. And I'm pretty good. (laughs) And you also have created Home, which we're right in the middle as we speak currently of Series 2 on Channel 4, Wednesdays, 10 o'clock. Or if you're one of those people like me who had to watch it all in one go on all four, it is all there in all four in one go, isn't it? It is, it is. Yeah, unlike Series 1, you can uh, can binge it. And uh, it seems like a lot of people are, which is great. That's what I do. Yeah, and I'll be honest. Yeah. Can't we shows when you sort of get a get a feel for something, you do yeah. just kind of mainline it. Exactly. Yeah. If you like something and it's there to watch all in one go, I think I think you're going to do it. Yeah. Although I, I kind of equally kind of really respect people who you know contact me on Twitter and sort of say I'm taking it slowly, <laughs> one a yeah. week. That is nice. I isn't sort of it? think that's great. Yeah. That's almost kind of it's almost like getting back into vinyl. <laughs> it is. It's sort yes. of really trad. <laughs> yes. In a cool Paul Weller way. So um, I, I kind of think. That's yeah. Cool that, right. That's the Paul Weller way of watching TV. That's how I'm going to regard it from now. Now on, yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get stuck, I want to ask you. I have loads of things to ask you about home and your mighty career. Congratulations, to Terry! By oh, the way, yes. I think that's that's yes. brilliant. Congratulations, Terry! Yeah, absolutely. And and gutted not to meet James. It's almost like being here in you know when Spock <laughs> dies in Star Trek Three. It and is. And he's not him. here to, to talk about no, it. This and is you know wonderful. what? The last thing he said to me when he flew off to Florida was, <laughs> yeah. "I'm gutted I'm not going to be there with Rufus Jones because he's a big fan." And you know, he, does, he famously doesn't understand comedy, and yet he loves Home. Do you know? Um, I heard he actually quite liked Home. Which yeah, was, yeah, he, yeah, it was extraordinary. Think, it was like think, sort of yeah. making sort of alien contact. It really was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it loved. I think he loves it. I'm going that far. Lovely. But before we get into the nitty gritty with Rufus, we do have we. Do 
discuss what we're watching at the moment, what we've been watching this week. Um, Beth, would you like to start? What have you been enjoying? I can, but I'm going to have to be really cryptic and annoying because I'm writing a, a big piece for the next pilot. So I've ah. been watching a lot of a show, but I can't really talk about it. Can't you? All I can really say. What I want is this. Is this a retro for the? Yeah, this is a retro. What I like to call James's section of the magazine. This is it. All I will say is it launched the careers of the creator and its star. Okay. Oh, that's so exciting. I'll say that, but I've been You're just tantalising us. Absolutely knuckling down on that this right. week. So you don't have time to watch current TV at all? I mean, I'm going to just have to blag my way through this episode. Okay. I'm joking. I am joking. Something else I watched as well, um, which is completely out of my taste. Basically, I was, I was at a friend's and she made me a nice dinner and suggested we watch this and I didn't have the heart to say no. Um, but the Netflix reality show Love is Blind. I don't know if you've seen uh, yeah. this in the no. news or if you've seen it blasting out the algorithm when you go on Netflix uh, <laughs> oh it's mad it's a it's a reality show 12 men 12 women um, spend 10 days in this kind of uh, base together I guess it's, it's a speed dating format but they can't see the other person and within those 10 days the men decide who they would like to propose to for marriage Wow. Oh, my God. Okay. And then within that time, propose, either within that time, someone did it after five days, proposed to the woman on the just other side. Just through conversation. Just through just through conversation. Oh, and he proposed God. to her. And then they go out into the world. They have X amount of time until they get married. And it's whether <laughs> they survive that time. It goes against every fibre of my moral being. I love the fact that you've picked, if, if James was here, James is morally opposed. Well, he's just, I think he just is ignorant of reality TV. He thinks it's a thing that, you know, just doesn't, doesn't yeah. like to acknowledge his existence. But I'm fully in favour of this. This sounds extraordinary. Well, this was, is, I it sounds say. like a dating thing meets, you know, um, uh, The Voice, you know, where you can't yeah, see the, vo- the singer exactly. of the right. Exactly, and then there's the big reveal when they see each other. And I tell you what, the beginning of it, I was like, what on earth have you got me watching? This is awful. By the end of it, I was howling at the television, wow. really okay. on your and feet. And do we, the viewer, know what they look like? In yes, the yes, 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 right. yes, yes, yes. Oh. So we're in on it all, but they're not in on it themselves. And then they have they have the reveal, and then they have this time together where they meet each other's families. It's just the fact it's a Blimey. wedding at the end. It's not is a it, nice holiday or a Is it like a Vegas price. wedding? Is it like a sort of... Yeah. Or a sort of ordained wedding. It's like a problem with your friends and family there. Jesus. Is it it's American or is it an American it's, show? It's American. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I mean, just, just check. Just check. But it's oh, I'm excited. Proper yell at your okay. screen. Okay. What's stuff. it called again? Love is blind. Love is blind. Clever. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Love is blind. Mm. God. So a varied week. Okay. No, that's that's brilliant. Rufus, what about you? What's been? Uh, uh, since James isn't here, I'll go on a documentary <laughs> tip as well. Or does he watch those? Does he watch I think he watches documentaries, yeah, but I mean, not often. It's difficult to find time. I know, Paul, it? it's not, not generally a documentary-focused thing, but David Baddiel did a oh, God, documentary yes. this week yes. uh, about the kind of culture of Holocaust denial, sort of mm. internationally and particularly kind of in this country. And it was just the most brilliant sort of hour of TV yeah. I've seen, sort of in any genre, sort of certainly this year and, and probably of many years. And it kind of reminded me of those those kind of um, sort of unapologetically smart uh, political documentaries of the 80s or 90s. Yeah. And, you know, these days Panorama is, I don't know, it's a bit like this morning. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's, it doesn't kind of tackle these subjects in the no. way that you might sort of nostalgically expect. And I think David just created this extraordinary hour which just feels like it should be kind of required viewing yeah. given the the society we're, we're sort of living in at the moment and uh, yeah sort of um, he, he did this brilliant thing where he, you know he said where do you start if, with Holocaust deniers how do you you know, how do you cope with these people? Yeah. How do you argue with them? And what he did, which I'd, I'd never seen anyone do before, was sort of explore the history of Holocaust denial, yes. mm. which is yeah. a brilliant thing. Yeah. 
you know, the very people who are denying the history of one people will say, no, what is your history? And and he lays it out where this comes from, where it emerged from. And I, I just thought it was such a such an important piece of TV and, and also sort of grimly funny at times as well. And David sort of brought this kind of very accessible sort of lightness at touch and then hyper emotional moments. Um, and so, so I thought I'd book in, book in my week with with that, and then Pacino's uh, <laughs> Hunters, <laughs> yes. which I think drops today, yes. Yes. which we reviewed last week, which yeah. could be a, a lovely sort of wish for that is a great sort of, uh, duo. Arc. Yeah, but the other the other main thing I've been watching this week, which I'd I'd recommend everyone to get into, is uh, Narcos Mexico. Oh, I'm so glad you said or, that. Uh, or Narco, Narcos Mexico, <laughs> <laughs> which I will I, I will only do once because it will become frankly offensive. But, uh, I adore this show, right. and because 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 it's sort of exactly the sort of show I don't write or, or act in generally. Yeah. So it's a real sort of lovely sort of holiday from work for me when I watch TV. I tend to watch these kind of transnational sort of Netflix shows like that or Jack Ryan or um, or even kind of Sex Education, which kind of exists yeah. in this kind of netherworld that's half Grangehill, half Ferris yeah. Bueller. And, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, it feels like sort of that's what Netflix and Amazon are doing really well now, these kind of these shows that almost mirror what they want to be themselves as broadcasters, these international yes. sort of uh, country hopping sort of things. And yeah, um, Narcos Mexico is, is brilliant because it started off being about the kind of CIA's kind of involvement mm. in, yeah. in the drug cartels in the 80s. And, and then rather brilliantly, they decided that that got a bit Jack Ryan-ish and a bit sort of samey and it's just lots of actors in kind of wispy 80s moustaches <laughs> kind of going god damn it Escobar but, you know, that has a sort of um, a sort of time limit and so they've shifted it so it's become about the Mexican drug lords but also their families and mm. and you have Diego Luna in it oh, the centre who's you know he's the most handsome man on earth yeah absolutely and an amazing actor mm. Um, mm. who I remember from like Itu Mama Tambian yes yeah. with Gal Garcia Bernal the Gal two Garcia, of them exactly. were incredible oh yeah. my god yeah. Yeah. And, and then he was in Rogue One more recently but this he's delivering this kind of like Al Pacino-ish kind of in the Godfather 2 kind of performance this kind of melancholy drug lord sort of at the center of this very violent universe but he's just this kind of moral void and it's it's brilliant and and he's surrounded by all these kind of incredible mexican supporting actors who you don't normally get exposed to mm. sort of in in parts this this kind of rich and uh and it's almost 95 percent subtitled now so it's effectively a kind of mexican drama yeah great um and it's yeah again it's the sort of thing netflix i think do that most uh, I, I don't know, other kind of broadcasters that we consume don't do, which is show you a, to all intents and purposes, foreign show or foreign experience, yeah. foreign piece of history. And uh, and you get into it. And it's, yeah, I really recommend it. It's brilliant. I'm so glad you mentioned it because it was one of the shows we nearly reviewed last week uh, and didn't have time for. It was like we were juggling which ones to do. And um, I suggested it. And there was like, and I think, you know, neither of us had watched all the way to the end of season one yeah. outrageously. No, no, no. Um, um, so we decided not to review it, but I, I watched the first episode of oh, season okay. two um, the other day. And it's it, a lot slower. It's a lot yeah, more but, sort of patient. Yeah, but it's really interesting, isn't it? That's gone down that route. And I agree with you. It's, it's like, it's it feels so authentic. Yeah. It's kind of, ooh, it, it's just, and yet it's beautifully filmed, yeah. you know, and everything. And about. yet if you want a sort of Scarface hit. <laughs> yeah, it gives you that. Right. You do have kind yeah. of girls in pencil skirts dancing in sort of neon exactly. pink nightclubs and exactly. stuff. So there is that side of things yeah but it's no it's a proper proper piece of kind of drama I, I yeah, yeah yeah it's fantastic oh brilliant then there's there are, they are fantastic recommendations thank you um let's talk about home though series two of mm. which we are in the middle as, as i mentioned um 
I mean, we have to, I mean, I can ask you about, you know, the challenge of writing a second series and getting to know the characters and all that, but also I have to ask you about doing an entire scene naked in the office, um, <laughs> shouting parts of Europe. I, mean, I call it the parts of Europe scene because I love the climax of it where you're, of Europe, yeah. parts of Europe, you're yelling about parts of Europe because you, you've, the, the realisation... my European parts. Exactly, you're showing your European parts. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. The realisation of Brexit is part of it and it's got, there's so much going on in that scene um, and it's become a thing, a famous thing, um, <laughs> Um, I think Channel 4 put it out, didn't they? As, as a, <laughs> they as, did, as a, generously. As a, generously. Yeah. As, a, as a kind of, what do they call those things? Clipped moment yeah, or something? Viral clip. Viral clip yeah. yeah. So everyone's seen it pretty yeah, much, on, you know, even if you haven't. Um, but what my, my question is, in fact, knowing that you write the thing, yeah. I'm fascinated by this. So you're writing away and you're thinking, I'm going to write a scene where I'm no. completely naked no. for quite a long period of time. What were you thinking? And, and when it came to filming, were you thinking, oh, I'm really glad I wrote that scene? <laughs> well, to the second part of your question, yeah. no. Okay. Um, I, um, it's one of those things that when you have your kind of writer's hat on, uh, you, don't, you don't have your kind of actor's cape on at the same time (laughs) and so as a writer I'll write that scene for this character Peter and sort of think you know what that is I I look forward to that to seeing how the actor does it on the day (laughs) right and uh, and I thought it was you know it 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 ticked off a lot of things I wanted to sort of discuss in a kind of quite a a neat sort of efficient single scene because because you don't want to talk about Brexit too much yeah in in polite society generally these days (laughs) people just want to kill you so so do something that's almost more physical than verbal right felt like an interesting way of approaching the whole Brexit issue Um, and then when I started it was right towards the end of the shoot end of the schedule so I'd sort of forgotten about it or gone into kind of a coma of denial and then then, uh, as it sort of as it approached in the week it was there it was my it was Ahab's uh, white whale was it Moby Dick and uh, just sort of just coming at me and then I realised then I realised that the office we were we were doing it in it was not far from here actually in Farringdon, okay. and it was the, the head of the, the National Diabetes Association or something. And kind of it was a Sunday, and so they'd given us the offices as location. Yeah. And a mate of mine works there. No. And she said after the event, she said, "You were in my office. That's my office." That's Did you crazy. wipe the seat down? <laughs> like, I, I said, "Oh my god!" And yes, and and also. Um, because of light, you can't really secure the area. Right. Um, and so you need natural light coming through. So I was doing this in front of a, you know, on a fifth, fifth story sort of uh, level in front of a, a massive window opposite, which was a load of student accommodation. <laughs> and I caught out of the no, corner of my eye no. someone waking up and opening his windows to, to this. And so it's the opposite of a closed it just, set. It was like an open set, the most yes, open set you can imagine. Probably the most open set one could imagine. But I, 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 as you as you implied, Boyd, I, I have got a history of, of getting naked, yeah. and, it's, and it's, I can only say it does come out of a, a kind of very healthy sense of self-loathing, <laughs> rather than any <laughs> any sense of kind of uh, self-regard. Um, it's something I had to do. Well, Julia Davis yes. uh, introduced yes. me to the world of on-screen nudity. Yeah, okay, more than a few times mm. in, the, in the stuff we've collaborated on. And then crucially, I had to do it in a, a play, a West End play called Dead Funny with with Steve Pemberton. And, yes, uh, which I also went to see. Rafael so Cotty I've seen did. a lot of oh, your Jesus, uh, body. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. no, no. But I had to do that over about 130 performances right. over about three months, and you get used to it. Yeah, mm. you get yeah. used to it, and yeah. you sort of recognise the kind of power of it. <laughs> it's a kind of because it is a sort of very awkward thing, and weirdly, as a guy, 
you see a lot of female nudity, frankly, on mm. screen, yeah. and it is it is depressingly normalised. Yeah. And actually, as a guy, you don't see that much male nudity. Um, and so it remains quite a, uh, yes, an awkward thing. And so if you wield that power, that power wisely, <laughs> uh, it's a kind of surprisingly effective thing. That was an incredibly powerful um, scene. Yeah. I don't think I'll be doing it again for a while. I mean, you say that. But, uh, yeah, okay. No, I know, I know. Yeah. God yeah. knows. Doing no, it was unbelievably powerful. Yeah. And, but did you also at any point think... I mean, you could just have done it in your pants, for example. But yes. Do you ever consider that, or do you think it has to be the, for the full powerful effect? I think for the full for the full power, I yeah. think you sort of need to do it. And I, I don't know. It just kind of works with enough actresses who, frankly, have had to be nude. Right. Uh, uh, in scenes, I did a, I did a film with Jackie Chan, preposterously, a few years ago on Netflix called The Foreigner, and uh, acting with uh, an actress who had to be naked and it was it wasn't really needed for the film whatsoever but right. it was sort of just expected that you know this was how the sex scene would work and and um i i just kind of thought to myself well i don't know i didn't i'll i'll i'll, I'll do it for for solidarity if anything That's else. great a naked ally um yeah. but it, it wrote you know nothing funnier than a, a wobbly male body <laughs> much funnier than a wobbly female one it was also kind of it was moving as well because it oh, was good, like a yes, man in yes. a desperate it was a manifestation of your desperate yes, state it's a wasn't bit of a it? breakdown I yeah. think you know, th th there is something sort of uncomfortable I think about about seeing anyone sort of naked yeah. on screen yeah. and if you show someone uh, actually not enjoying it either and having a bit of a having a bit of a breakdown then um, I think yeah you've you, you've got something kind of quite interesting completely yeah. and and I just wanted to do a sort of a, a shriek from the void, a sort of Brexit, sort of barbaric yawp of, oh my God, this is what we've got to do. And, and seeing, I, I, I wanted some sort of physical manifestation of Brexit felt like, and it, and it does feel like a naked man swinging a plant. Yeah. Round and round in an office, expecting that to do something. Yeah, I think um, it, so. <laughs> I think it was perfect. Yeah, um, and, and I don't mind writing those scenes. You know, as long as I'm doing them, it's okay. I'd, I'd feel desperately awkward if I was writing it for someone else. Yeah, that's love. That's yeah. that's good. That's very good of you, isn't it? That is incredible. Hey, I call me Mother Teresa. Yeah, <laughs> you are the Mother Teresa <laughs> of TV comedy. I'm saying it now. I'm saying it now. But back to the, in the bigger picture, then, yes. because um, I remember I spoke to you before series one went out, and you talked about how this was your. You'd written lots. Bits and pieces before, hadn't you? And oh, well, you know, yeah. The, the, the roads of every comedian's career is littered with the corpses of failed pilots. <laughs> right. And, uh, That's a brilliant way of putting it. That is very and, good. Uh, I, have, I have the torsos, the 24-minute torsos of many, yes. uh, many a failed pilot sort of behind me. Yeah. But, you and know. you kind of got, I think you got some advice and, and help from people like Sarah Phelps because you've been in the casual vacancy, which she adapted, didn't she? Yeah, Phelps, he was very influential on me, uh, actually. Very early on. She said a really important thing to me where uh, it, it it's funny, when you're a performer, um, especially in sort of comedy and you, you come up doing mainly acting, you know, that's, yeah. that's basically my, my, my invoice. <laughs> it tends to be a sort of actor's one. Um, you, you often wait to be hired by someone to write something. So you wait for someone to pay you, you know, 500 quid for the treatment or then develop it into a script and that they should pay for that. Da, 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 da. But often you get sort of trapped in the sort of, you know, the, the the eternity of sort of TV production. And I saw Sarah at a, at a party for the casual vacancy. And I said, look, I, I'm, I'm writing this thing and uh, I really want to write it, but obviously I've got to wait for the, the commission or you've got to yeah. get someone to pay. And she said, oh, fuck off. <laughs> she said, just fucking write it. <laughs> just fucking write it. Do you want to write it? I said, yes, yeah, fucking write it. And it was brilliant advice. Yeah. And yeah. I'm fortunate enough 
to, you know, be able to just cut off two weeks and just write the thing. Mm. But, you know, as a piece of advice, it was terrific. If you've got, if you've got something really tugging your coat as a, of an idea, just get it down quickly. Yeah. Don't wait for anyone to agree yeah. with you it's a good idea because once you've written it, you know, you can show people the ideas in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Sarah was very important. And, and Julia Davis, you know, kind of working with her, I know how Julia works. And she, she similarly sort of goes to ground and just sort of writes these things before waiting to be asked. And, and so it was something I did and um, sent it to a... Uh, a producer, Adam Tandy, who was Armando's producer for years for The Thick of It. And, yeah, does and, Inside uh, Number Nine. Uh, Inside Number Nine, yeah. he does The League of Gents yeah. with, with Reece Shearsmith and Mark Gatiss and everyone. And, and he'd sort of taken me out for a coffee years before and just said, do you write? And I said, well, every now and again. And he said, do let me know if you've got anything to show me. And four years later, I literally just wow. emailed him and just said, I've got something. Wow. And he rang me back in, in an hour after I pressed send and just said, this is good, let's make this. <laughs> That's fantastic. And That's I kind amazing. of thought, yeah, right. And three years later, we, we did. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a long road, but it's been, yes, it's been, a, it's been listed with some very good advice, which I would pass on to anyone who writes, which is just, if you can afford to, just write it. Yeah, that <laughs> Without really, anyone that, else getting involved too early. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is, that is really good advice. And was the, was the idea basically, I mean, it, it feels now, now we've watched two series. Yeah. Um, of a comedy about a Syrian refugee mm. with a very middle class um, fam English family was that the, that was it was that the, the idea in a nutshell or did it, you yeah. no it was it didn't get messed around with too much it's, okay. it was weird I, I kind of wrote it you know after Sarah's kind of uh, sparkling advice I wrote it in a sort of five day frenzy and I just kind of took a week and I just you know regurgitated it down and, and the general shape of the first episode in the pilot didn't really change all right. that much. Um, I wanted, you know, the, the, the noble thing to say is I, I, I wanted to write something about the Syrian crisis, and I did. Mm. Uh, and But sometimes these stories sort of find you, you know, rather than the other way around. I'm not really a political writer at all, but I saw that as something that was going on in front of our eyes. And, and I'd read an article in The Guardian which talked about sort of these... these um, very lovely families that were bringing in refugees and how it wasn't a perfect experience. And, and you know... I was about to say cynically, not cynically, but with my comedy sort of antenna, you're always looking for a, an enclosed space for a sitcom or a prison in which you can yeah. imprison your characters. Sure. And, you know, being being a refugee is, is one of the sort of most enclosed, isolating spaces. And if you can get him living with a family, not all of whom are on board with the experience, that becomes a prison too. Yeah. So it became a way of not only looking at the, the refugee experience, but looking at where we are sort of as a nation at the moment. And so it sort of, you know, Ticked a lot of boxes, but it wasn't till I got writing really that I sort of realised the potential for it. And did you find writing the second series easier once you, the cast was in place, playing those characters? Do you know, and, I did. Okay. I'll be honest. I, we, I, I sat down it last January uh, when just before we went out, series one went out, and I, I, I had a slightly fearful day where you think, oh Christ, right, I've got to get ideas down for Channel Four, and <laughs> by the end of the day, it was sort of there, the the basic shape of series two. It, right. You realise that these things have been bubbling under, and you've kept storylines, uh, you know, back from series one, which right. didn't make it. And you think, no, I really want to do something with that, so that becomes, you know, a, a backbone of series two. Um, it came together quickly, and I write, I write fast, uh, not. Not always well, but fast. <laughs> and so, so series two was commissioned in May, and it was written by August, and we got into production in September. Wow. And there's something about the nature of the show um, 
which requires that sort of, it needs to be quite quick. Yes. It's yes. quite sort of, I don't know, because it's dealing with variously, you know, topical events. If you leave it sort of too long to sort of discuss, it just gets a bit, a bit sort of, you know, a bit dusty. Uh, and uh, and Adam, my producer, brilliantly said, "Look, if you, if you can write it in this short time, everyone will be so terrified <laughs> that they'll leave you alone." <laughs> That's brilliant. And he was right. Yes. And, and actually, there, there is a kind of yeah, there's, there's a kind of you know uh, white knuckle sort of logic about that, where if you can get it done as quickly as possible, um, people do leave you to it. So so we've had we, we've had lovely support, but also a certain sort of, you know, distance, kind of creative distance from Channel 4. We've been really just implicitly faithful in what we've done, which is something Adam, my producer, has, you know, because yeah. he works with the League of Gentlemen or Armando. He's very good at hot housing people and sort of keeping, you know, uh, keeping marketing departments kind of away or commissioners kind of away from the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, yeah, Channel 4 have been brilliant. So, oh, that's yeah. fantastic, Beth. Have you been? In, I didn't even check with you when we when we got Rufus on. I was like, "Oh, just Beth is Beth a fan of home?" I didn't even I hadn't even double <laughs> checked. Well, imagine if this could be awful if you suddenly go, "Well, you know, it's all right." And everything. Oh, for goodness' sake! No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did. I beefed up on it considerably after you said he was coming on. Yes. and I do adore, oh. and I think a large part of it, brilliant that you are, is Yusef. I wanted to ask. Oh, cheers! Yeah. Um, what a wonderful. I have to say, I, the show would categorically not have been made if we hadn't found him, basically. How, how did you find him? I'd love to know. A, we have a, a brilliant casting director called Nikki Bly, and she brought in uh, about 40 people, some of whom were actual refugees with very little uh, experience, um, acting experience. Uh, some people who were sort of of Middle Eastern origin, but... It just weren't right. And and then this six foot eight, <laughs> enormous half Moroccan, half English guy sat down. And yeah, we, we both remember it vividly. Yusuf kind of, is a, he's such a gentle giant. And he kind of walked in and he just said, uh, he sat down and he said, um, did you write this? And I went, yeah. And he said, I like your politics, man. <laughs> and he said, okay, let's read. And he was just brilliant. And he just read it slowly yeah. and moving. And, I th you know, Adam and I said within 30 seconds, we just went, oh, my God, this is it's him. Yeah. And he's a different shape and size to what we imagined. But that's even better <laughs> because it's just playing with so many, playing with all our expectations of how these people should look or who, who, we, who we think a, a sitcom refugee yeah. should be and... Um, and you have a lot of just funny descriptions of him in yeah, your character. <laughs> yes, no, that's right. Yeah, so he um, he's just a brilliant actor who, who has been working for years uh, playing terrorists, basically. You know, yeah. he's in uh, another one of my favourites, Jack Ryan. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've seen the first series yes. of, of Jack Ryan yes. and uh, and Strike Back and stuff. And he's done. He he gives good terrorists. I'll be honest with you. You know, yeah. that beard can be used to, to full effect, and <laughs> and he can wield a, a Kalashnikov like a few other people. But you know, he's also kind of worked at the RSC for five years, and this was. A real case, I think, of the right script and the right guy coming together, and it was offering a portrayal of a uh, an Arabic character, which was different from ninety percent of what he was normally offered. And he grabbed it with both hands, and um, and yeah, he's just been quite clearly kind of the heart of the show, but also kind of, I don't know, he's kind of like the for us as a cast, he's the kind of pivot. Oh, you know, if Yusuf's in the pocket, if he's in the, the, the kind of, you know, in the zone, then we're all in the zone. Yeah. And he always is. Yeah. So yeah. there's just no way you could make it without the right guy. Yeah, so. he's incredible, isn't he? He's also um, really funny, isn't he? Like, he incredibly yeah. funny. He's yeah. got, he's, he's kind of really nimble. He's kind of like one of those 
prop forwards in rugby who who can actually run really fast. You know, he's kind of really kind of dainty with dialogue and stuff and and that lightness of touch against the kind of the heft of his of his physique is just a really brilliant thing for me to play with as a writer yeah. and, and since then he has basically sort of dominated the airwaves yeah, he was in yeah. Gavin and Stacey at Christmas yeah. he crops up in uh, Sex Education <laughs> he was in uh, his sort of bossed episode 2 of Dracula for yes, Stephen Moffat yes. and these all came out within about 10 days Baghdad Central Baghdad Central yeah. he literally the, the, the night before home goes out he's he's in this uh, yeah incredible sort of uh, yeah, Iraqi that's drama that's fantastic so he yeah. has yeah it's really all happened for him and I have to say talking of the cast like um Oakley Pendergrast as, oh, as the as the boy. Yeah. Uh, he is blossom, isn't he? From, I'm, I'm presuming like he's. I guess he's like a bit older. Yeah. But but what you give him in series two, yeah. um, having watched it to the end, yeah. Um, yeah. is he has to do heavy emotional lifting without giving anything away, isn't it? As well as being oh, fun. he is. I mean, again, we we saw a lot of kids for that part, and I I'd, I'd worked with Oakley because he played. Uh, the, the the young boy in camping, right. which I did with Julie yes. Davis in the, the in the hel- in the helmet. Yeah. <laughs> Oakley was basically encased in a sort of anti-allergy <laughs> yes. helmet because he was Vicky Vicky Pepperdine's yeah, uh, put upon son. And he, I mean, he he saw things <laughs> to, to misquote Rooker Hauer. He yes. saw things on that production. In a, in a scene that I wish we hadn't cut, he had to uh, he had to come over to our table where we all sat there wielding a, a sort of six foot black dildo. Oh my god! Um, saying, "Mummy, what's this?" And, uh, <laughs> and he did it. He did it without any. Uh, he did it without any rehearsal. And, and Jonathan Cake, who was in it, just collapsed and couldn't couldn't be used for the rest of the day. Right. He was just in fits of giggles. Right. Uh, but, but Oakley just could remain sort of in the zone. He's just this lovely, sensitive boy. And so I remembered him to be honest yeah. in camping. Right. And I said we should get him in. And uh, we saw a lot of good kids. But Oakley has. He's unaffected by that drama school, stage school right. sort of vibe, which you sometimes see kids. Uh, have you know they kind of put all the stresses in the right parts of the sentence but it doesn't actually feel authentic whereas Oakley sort of says it and he just has complete sort of emotional access it seems you know and and he's just a regular kid he likes fishing in real life and just you know real family kid and just lovely boy but you know for six weeks every year we take him on this lovely journey and the interesting thing is he was uh, at the age of five he was in a film called The Impossible Oh yeah, with the Naomi fl- Watts and Ewan oh, McGregor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Holland. Oh, that's incredible. The younger brother. Brother. Wow. And wow. you know, it's wow. about the the tsunami. Yeah, you know, the Thai yeah. tsunami. It's the film. most traumatic. And and I, you know, I, once I got to know Oak sort of properly, I said, "What was that like, man? Do you remember it?" And he said, "Do I remember it? Yeah, it was like a five star hotel, <laughs> and they flew my gran out, and it was like, and, and beautifully, all he can remember is just like the amazing summer holiday. Oh, that's nice. Nice. That's nice. While they yes. filmed this, yes. incredible, grueling film. Yeah. yeah, that is a grueling film. So yeah. he's just oh, that's brilliant. I mean, Yusuf has always said he's sort of the best actor in Britain, and he kind of is. He's just so he's unaffected, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Rebecca Staten, of course." Oh, yeah. Yeah. who um, I've met many times um, and she's incredible and her storyline I think in this series with the, the kind of accused of yeah. abuse effectively yeah. of a boy it was re- that's, that's, did you have that in mind in uh, series one did it, was it something that came to no, you no I didn't it two? came to me it came to me and I suppose yeah. I, I should be a bit careful kind of. but it, it, it came out of that, that last year the kind of and, and continues to be these Twitter sort of witch hunts. Yeah. If someone mistypes or mistakes right. on yes. Twitter, yeah. and 
there isn't time for an apology or for an explanation before yeah. these things grow into something, you know, which cannot be stopped. And yeah. um, I, I suddenly thought there was an, op an opportunity to talk about that with Rebecca's character. And, and I'd read an article about the pressure teachers face these days under accusations of, you know, uh, sexual misconduct or whatever. Mm. And, you know, uh, one doesn't want to diminish these cases because often there is a case. There is sometimes not, though. Mm. And the kind of recourse for, for teachers is very tricky and, and sometimes impossible. And so and, and I thought that that's often a that's often a kind of male sort of experience that we see sort of portrayed on TV. Yes, screen. indeed. Yeah, it's great to see a woman. Seeing, yeah. seeing a woman yeah. go through that, I, I thought might be might be interesting. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wanted to sort of wanted that to sort of address in some way that kind of, yeah, that that witch hunty sort of mentality yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. we all sort of find ourselves party to sometimes you know so yes yeah. my thoughts was interesting is is that you're kind of exploring because everyone in the family is funny in their own way aren't mm. they i mean it's a comedy <laughs> which helps <laughs> a legend but she particularly like she says very funny will come up with very funny kind of politically incorrect in quotes to use yeah. that horrible phrase yeah. stuff without warrant and in a way that's what gets you into trouble isn't it that she kind of says what's on her mind and she's and people misinterpret that yeah and that gets her into trouble and she keeps saying stuff that she probably shouldn't say as well throughout the case which was really interesting that. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right. Yeah, yes, a character who who because the interesting thing about Rebecca is she's sort of one of the great uh, sort of British actors. Uh, if you give her a speech, basically, yeah, you give her a monologue, right, and no one delivers delivers it like Rebecca Staten yeah. and Callum Moran found this out with Rose by Wolves. You can give yes. her these slabs of dialogue, and she she just you know does them at her pace, and it's really compelling to watch. And it's you know from an actor's point of view, it's a really hard thing when you're given a half page. You think, oh fuck, how am I going to do it? <laughs> yeah. Rebecca just can do it. And I think because she carries such authority, Rebecca, in terms of what she's done in the past, it's it's interesting to see a clever people, a clever person, fall foul of the system, yes, and and slightly keep digging a yes, little bit, right. yeah. When maybe the thing to do is pull back, because we'd all like to think that if we were in a similar situation, we would know how to deal with it, but we wouldn't, you know, yeah. we just wouldn't, because yeah. she's very principled. She? Between the two of you, she's the principled kind of one who, who who sticks by her sticks to her guns, yes, and you're the kind of Bellend kind I'm of Brexit <laughs> voting. Agent Bellend. Agent yes. Bellend. And I think, yeah, I think, I, I think also we wanted to, or I wanted to, you know, fight against the, for want of a better phrase, the kind of sitcom wife kind of yes. archetype. Yes. Um, Becca's always said, you know, I don't want a scene where I'm carrying crockery in the kitchen <laughs> or yeah. making dinner yeah. or right. doing the wifely stuff because it's so often the default, yeah. you know. And she quite rightly kind of said, you know, this is not interesting to me or any actress, you yeah. know, and it's time it stopped. And and uh, and I think so. I think that sort of fed into sort of where I wanted to take her character. Well, let's 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 push, you know, the, for want of a better phrase, the sitcom wife into into possibly the most provocative space of any of the storylines, actually. I think she has more sort of emotional heavy lifting towards the end than virtually any of us. Yeah, actually. that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was tricky, and and uh, but we were really pleased with where it ended up, and um, yeah, I shouldn't give too many spoilers away, but but I think it's a fairly faithful reproduction of what where, where a lot of teachers who are accused of this stuff where they end up finding yeah, themselves it seems authentic, at the end of it, it? which is yeah. you know slightly hung out to dry. So yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, I'm going through the cast, um, obviously. Oh come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Douglas Henshaw is your main new 
new character. Dougie what Henshaw. A, I think, do, oh, this habit, like, no, of course, makes it wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. Dougie Henshaw. But he's very, he play, he's playing up his Scottishness, isn't he, a bit, maybe? In do you know, he, <laughs> he does. In certain scenes, he went very Scottish. And then in other scenes, he went really sort of South London. Okay. okay and he said early on, he said, is it all right if I do that? Because I feel like the sort of, a bit like sort of, not Alan McGee, but one of those sort of, oh, yeah, yeah. one of those Scottish A&R music guys yes. who kind of came down in Britpop. Yes. <laughs> that makes total sense. And it's yeah. a, little, a little bit London. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. And a bit yeah. too long. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And uh, so he, he sort of played both ends. And it's, I mean, I've I've loved him for years. He's he's incredible, Dougie. And, and he's, I, I think he started off doing a bit more comedy in the early stages mm. of his career, but has since kind of become more well known for, you know, kind of brooding sort of, you know, unblinking aggression and (laughs) fortitude. A bit like Mark Bonner, you know, I think there's a a vibe where Scottish actors are just, they're so sexy and magnetic and brilliant on screen that you can forget that they can do, they can make dicks of themselves, basically. (laughs) As as Mark has proved, he's sort of, you know, Mark's an incredible do-it-all actor and Dougie's similar, I think. And... um, so he could play the intensity yes. and the awfulness of a... Um, and he's an awful man, isn't he? Awful man. Uh, again, you're, you're right. When you think about all the top t- kind of topics and subjects you're addressing, but, you know, you've mm. got a teacher accused of abuse. He is a kind of al- alcoholic, <laughs> yeah. also abuser himself, really, know, isn't he? That's not a spoiler, is it? I think yeah. that's pretty clear from, from the start. Yeah. I mean, you are... I'm you throwing the kitchen you sink. throw in, you throw ostensibly a comedy. <laughs> you know, basically, boy, that, that's what happens in this age where you're never guaranteed of a third series. Right. Or a second, you know. No, um, you kind of go right. Let's, yeah. uh, but it <laughs> let's was, do it now. No, no. Yeah. But it's an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? I think like that's what. Yeah. And it, is it? Do you find it? You know, it's a, it's a kind of slightly hackney question, but but the tone, getting that tone right, getting those shifts from comedy to to emotion and drama, because it, for me, it pulls it off. So oh, it feels yeah. effortless. But yeah. is it hard to actually while you're writing it and while you're doing in it? All, in all honesty, I, I I don't find that hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's partly because of what I've done in the past as an actor working with Julia Davis particularly yeah, she's yeah. kind of the the fairy godmother of those yeah. those awkward transitions <laughs> uh, and um, and other things things like Casual Vacancy actually which Sarah Phelps wrote which was a, a J.K. Rowling sort of adaptation which was incredibly grim and then funny sort of beat by beat for a very mainstream sort of BBC show it was uh, Sarah really didn't pull any punch, punches and so I, I feel like that's kind of my that's been my sort of meat and drinks uh, as an actor mm. so it felt like it came uh, easy to me but but you, you, you I guess more than the tonal thing you feel a sort of a duty of care to the subject matter a little bit right. and particularly in Sammy's case and in, particularly in terms of sort of Syrian Syrian refugees so we had a core consultant a guy called Hassan Akkad who has been there every step of the way um, he's got an absolutely dirty sense of humour <laughs> anyway and so with that brilliant oh, and cool. hmm. his stories I could not possibly put on screen <laughs> he's uh, he's got some extraordinary sort of uh, stories about life in the UK which are hilarious but my god um, but he's been he's been something of a sort of barometer, you know, in terms right. of pushing the show. And I think I think we sort of found that actually you you can't push the show far enough. Weirdly, I think sort of in the first kind of few drafts, I was a little a little sort of apprehensive, maybe of going places because you want to respect the material. Sure. Actually, though, the respect comes in other ways. It comes through performances or comes yeah, through yeah. the relationships. And actually, the more unflinching you are, the more respectful it becomes. Oddly, yeah. because 
you know, you're pushing these characters uh, and uh, and they're responding more authentically. Yeah. Oh, because the emotions seem completely real to me. I think, you know, that's, that's great. That's the yeah. incredible thing, yeah. yeah. And without giving too much away, you, re- you I mean, you take us to some really emotional places. Well, yeah, yeah, take you to some, uh, yeah, European places. <laughs> yes, well. literally. Yeah, you have your... Yes. Again, bless Channel 4, they really uh, push the budget out. Yeah, yeah, us, you have uh, your own trip to Greece. Yeah. We had our, our yeah. winter bottom-esque yeah. uh, trip to Greece. Done yeah. the kook and bro. You could be, you know, I know. your own one, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, 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 no, I wrote that... Uh, uh, yeah, without giving too much away, I, I wrote a very ambitious ending, which I sort of imagined would be spiked pretty quickly. And they, but, but um, they didn't force you to film in the East End. That's good. No, okay. I know. Good. We right. went there. We, we flew Fantastic. out. Fantastic. Flew out of Greece. Yeah, that, that is that is glorious. And we have to we have to mention that the American version, yes, being with Ben Stiller, yeah, producing. Yes, it's mental. It's, right. <laughs> yes, he. Uh, <laughs> it's his production company, basically. I I, I have. Um, LA management, which is a, a a posh way of saying I know an American person <laughs> in LA, yeah, and we talk every six right. months. Okay, uh, you know, most of the time this doesn't yield all that much, but uh, he um, home sort of flew onto people's radar out there, and um, and he uh, he said kind of about eight months ago, look, I, I want to put this in front of people, and that day I had read. Uh, ben Stiller was a UN goodwill ambassador oh, to Syria. He does it. Uh, that's actually what he does mainly. Now. Wow. He directs, but he doesn't really act. But mainly, he's on the road, going to Aleppo and oh, wow. uh, uh, and Homs and stuff. And so it, it, he's a very involved guy. And I said, "Look, do, do you think you could get home to Ben?" And uh, my agent said, get it to Ben. I was at high school with Ben. Of course I can get it to Ben. And literally within a week, we'd heard back from Stiller and his production company saying, we love it, we're in. And that's a very LA thing to hear. And you you kind of think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we got a a pilot commission from, uh, a script commission from uh, NBC. And that's all happening at the moment. And Ben is going to direct, which is amazing. So Have they cast you? No, 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 no. I I think we've probably got a way to go. Right. Um, But, you know, these things don't happen overnight. But he is kind of the most committed man in the room, which is amazing. Right. Um, and he's been, uh, yeah, incredibly supportive of the, the UK show. Is there any? You, I, I can see him in it. I can see him in your I, role, I can't know. you? I mean, it'd be perfect for you. You're like, oh, come on, Ben, just do it. You, you know, it's it's horrific. But I <laughs> meet the parents for me was a, was a huge oh, touchstone fantastic. for me in terms of. I mean, just as a great film anyway, but when yeah. I was thinking about my character that I'd, I'd fucking written in the show, <laughs> I sort of actually this is a bit like Stiller and yes. the parents. It's the guy who's having to play. You know, welcoming and yeah, yeah, but yeah. can't say the things that are going on in his head. And he plays kind of middle class, kind of white collar repressed right. rage yes. incredibly well. Yes, um, I think I think it's just not something he wants Fine. to do anymore. Okay, but, and okay. you know, but maybe I'll uh, I'll get to know him a bit better and uh, you know butter him up. Yeah. <laughs> try, yeah. try and get him to do one more one more run at it. Yeah, oh, I mean that is incredibly exciting. Isn't but it? yeah, no, it's yeah. very exciting. And, and, and how involved yeah. are you going to be? Do you think on a, on a, do you have um, do you want to be? It's a, it's kind of all to play for at the moment. Okay. I'm an exec on it, which means. Uh, they they asked me for notes okay. and uh, and at first I thought they were just being polite, but it turns out that everyone really listens to these notes and it's um it's it's a really interesting transplant of an idea how you because obviously you know I think probably America needs a show like this more than virtually any oh, country 100%. on earth. Yeah. Um, but how you get a uh, Middle Eastern refugee into the middle of America now right. is actually quite tricky okay, <laughs> because yeah. uh, something like 600 Syrians were given refugee status oh, last wow. year wow. and it just basically doesn't happen anymore. Sure. Um, so 
but, but but I think we've we've come up with a sort of interesting, oh, interesting. sort of way around it. But yeah, it's sort of it's it. I, I feel sort of America sort of really needs a show like that. But um, ironically, you know, the, the president doesn't feel it's sort of they kind of need people like that. At the yes, so, yes. Um, My hope is that that Trump will be tweeting about it in you know in a years time. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that's yeah. what you want. Because yeah. he tweets about the Oscars today. Tweeting about Parasite. Yeah, again. tweeting about Parasite. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> He's really yeah. into his uh, foreign cinema. He really is. Yes. <laughs> well, Home is um, continues on Wednesdays on Channel Four, which is say ten o'clock, and it is all to, to watch on all four. If you if you can't wait, nice like, like me, Thanks, and it is fantastic. Um, I just realised I didn't mention. I was going to go on to the, the listeners' question, but I didn't talk about what I've been watching at the moment, which no one gives a shit about. It's fine. <laughs> but I, want to know. I do feel, apart from watching Home, obviously, I did want to mention a couple of things. One is the current series of Curb, and I want to check whether you're because I know you're a fan of Larry David and all of that, aren't you? I am. Do you know though? Curb okay. is the thing that has just passed me by. Oh my it's god! It's really? because I love Seinfeld. So okay, Seinfeld, I think yeah. like you, right? Seinfeld is my yeah. sort of touchstone. Yeah. Whenever I sort of think, oh, this is a bit too plotty, I always think of Seinfeld. Yes. I think, my god, this this does more plot in oh, twenty two minutes than you yeah. know Shakespeare did in twenty two plays. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, but, and, and Curb. When I watched Curb, the first season of Curb, I thought this is brilliant. This is amazing. Yeah. But I just. I could just watch Seinfeld again and again. Right, right, right. So weirdly, I'm that's more Seinfeldy. Yeah, yeah, that's Anytime I catch Curb, yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw the Marga stuff recently with the Marga hat, yeah, oh, which yeah. is yeah. as good as ever. Clearly, yeah. oddly though, it's not my destination. Oh, that's interesting. Show, and that I don't is know interesting because I think actually I think this series is the most is becoming the most Seinfeld like in terms of it's he's really doing some intricate I've got plotting. To watch it. I've got to watch it, and it's becoming very kind of much more in a way mainstream. Weirdly, like mm-hmm. I feel I don't know if that's the right word, but kind of it's. There's more slapstick. There's more out and out kind of broad laughs. I would say in this yeah. than any other series he's done so far. It's almost like he's gone, um, you know, fuck it. You know, this might be the last series, maybe, or I can do what the hell I want. I'm just going to be at flat out funny. Mm. And it is, it absolutely is hilarious. Are you a fan of Kurt? Beth? Have you watched? That was my answer to the listener question. So oh, I'm going to yes. guess. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, I mean, I say yes. We'll I'm like, I so apologise. Yes. Short okay. answer is yes. Okay. But I'll go into We'll come on to the listener question very, very yeah. soon. <laughs> oh, that's, that's ruined that. That's great. Jesus Christ. You weren't to know, boys. You weren't to know. Absolute disaster. I do want to mention inside number nine oh, that your friend Adam Tandy produces yeah. brilliantly. Adam pops up, doesn't he, in a scene in, in, uh, in the end of your series. Which he episode does. is that in home? Uh, I think it's five. Five, yes. Yeah, Adam's one of the sort of tribunal of Rebecca. I like he's a child actor, Adam. Oh, uh, was he? Yeah, yeah amazing. He's a child oh, actor. He's got amazing well, stories. He does very well in he's that good. little scene. Yeah. Um, so the current series, I mean, I, I still oh think I've said this every single time, but it feels like, the, again, it's the best, yeah. just in terms of going from one thing to the other. So last week's was this thing called Love's Great Adventure, which was a kitchen sink drama, effectively. Which I haven't seen yet. Actually. Ah, okay. I, I saw, I saw right. one and two. I mean, incredible. It's just like a not trying to be funny in any kind of obvious way and it has a really interesting story that unfolds almost by stealth like without you really realising what's going on Um, like subtle and yet really compelling they just Mm. it's just fantastic and then I've seen the one that goes out Monday today we're recording this on Friday but it goes out tonight it's it's a complete 180 (laughs) it's a incredibly dark thing about magic and magicians and that world like competitive world of trying to do the best trick oh, and it's phenomenal I feel and like, it's like Reese is. very Reese yeah well <laughs> I, I, I spoke to I think Reese said that it's, he's been wanting to do this kind yeah. of thing about magic and magicians for years and then finally and so that is phenomenal and then the week after which I've also seen is monologues to camera which is really beautiful and kind of Maxine Peaks in that which Steve Pemberton directed just oh. the just the 
just trying out all these different ways of making a half-hour story. It's so incredible. I think, I, I think looking back, because I've worked with recent Steve a fair amount, and they've been very influential in terms of right. sort of how I write, that when you look at number nine, and even though it's disconnected stories, yeah. you know, they just do everything. Yeah. They do a- anything they want. Yeah, and audiences incredible. just accept it implicitly. And, and, and audiences don't worry about genre quite as much, I think. No, as, I agree. Yeah. As reviewers might or, oh, completely. or channels might. And yeah. I, think, I think they broke real ground with number nine. Yeah, 100%. You know. And just to quickly say that this country episode that goes out on BBC um, One this evening, it revolves around the vicar played by Paul Jahidi. Oh, and it's pretty much mostly in his car. <laughs> He's supposed to be keep giving a driving lesson. Um, and it's phenomenal and moving, <laughs> incredibly moving. It's like your show. It's got emotionally kind of devastating. Paul Jahidi really is one of the great comedy secret weapons right. in the UK. He right. was in Him and Her going back. He's yes. been in everything, Paul. And yeah. He is, I guarantee you, first on the list in terms of kind of comedy character. Oh, interesting. He's incredible. He's fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And my final one is Doctor Who, first part of the finale. I'm sure you're a big Whovian, Rufus, yeah. but... No, okay, fine. Um, if you are, the, the first part, it's a two-part finale revolving around Cybermen and destroying humanity, oh, and okay. it was great. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but let's go on to that. That was so, a nice clipped summary there, boy. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm just glad I remembered to mention those things. Um, to this We have got a listener question this week from a guy called Ode Ollie, Ode underscore Ollie. He sent quite a few... Um, and he sent them to the to the uh, Pilot TV Twitter t- t- account, which I don't have access to. Yeah. So then I got them to send them to me. And then I'll re- by the way, thanks to everyone, I, I tweeted this thing and I got loads of really good questions and we will, we'll we'll stack them up and we'll ask them as the weeks go on. But he's, I thought this was really good. So he asked, is there a show that you wrote off either before watching or while watching and stopped and then went back to and found that you enjoyed it and you were wrong to write it off? I think we know what Beth's going to say. <laughs> 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 yes. Go ahead. Yeah, it was Curb. It was okay. Curb. It was Curb because I started watching it off the back of the recommendation of every sort of early 20s white boy that I knew <laughs> in my true. life. Um, I mean, early the fact 50- that everyone started calling it Curb yeah. Yeah. immediately. Yeah. So you, were, you, you either knew what that meant. Yeah, in a didn't. slightly annoying way. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and I just didn't get him. I didn't. Mm. I found him prickly to the point where he was just awful. And I don't, I, to this day, can't tell you what changed. I can't tell you what changed in my life or mind. Maybe right. I just started to become more like him, I think is the most oh, terrifying but logical yeah. answer. Um, but now I, I adore it. I think that the episode, I can't remember what the episode's called, but with the Tourette's in the restaurant is one of the best oh, yeah. episodes oh, yeah. of yeah. comedy mm in in existence yeah um i can't explain it maybe it was because of the sheer following that put me off and then to see he's not likable in the slightest maybe i just used to be very loyal to likable characters and now i find unlikable characters so much more thrilling and and engaging and maybe i'm just turning into a bit of an old sod i don't know Mm -hmm. but um i I love it. Oh, I love that. That's, that's warmed the cockles of my heart, obviously, having already banged on about Curb. 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 Curb, curb, curb of course. Yeah, Curb, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's lovely. Rufus, what about you? I have, I have a two-pronged answer. Great. Um, one, to my eternal shame, is this country. Ah. Okay. Because I remember seeing a photo of uh, Daisy May Cooper and, yeah. and, and Charlie Cooper. Yeah. Looking at Charlie Cooper and thinking, well, that's just Mackenzie Crook in the office. Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, and, yes. and, yes. and hang on, what it's it, it's set sort of west of Swindon. Steady, what you say to a Swindon? Oh, yes, oh, no, please. No, no. Yeah. This is all my ridiculous <laughs> metropolitan prejudices. And I just thought, oh, this is just it's a rip off. I hadn't watched it, <laughs> and then I watched yeah. the first episode, and like twenty eight minutes later, I thought, oh, this is the best British comedy of the decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You idiot. The other one. Which is a uh, a very name droppy story, um, but I will tell it, it anyway on. because it's it's <laughs> it's my my ridiculous sort of story of shame. It was about twenty years ago. I had a party. I was living in a, a sort of uh, flat with another actor called Rufus. <laughs> Two Rufus, of course they are. <laughs> Which, can I get Rufus Rufus. Hound? Uh, no, oh, a guy okay. called Rufus, Rufus Wright. Okay, who uh, who pops up in all sorts of stuff. Fine. And uh, and we. We'd, Met on the same job. That was oh, a wow. job of two Rufuses. Small play. It's pathetic. But so anyway, we, we were living together, sort of having this this kind of bachelor existence in our early twenties, and we had this party. And I'd been at university with uh, with David Mitchell, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were all sort of struggling in our twenties. And David was doing the uh, the wardrobe uh, at Riverside Studios in London for TFI Friday. That's oh, what wow. him and David, Rob did. Hold on. That's, David Mitchell was yeah. doing the wardrobe yeah, they, for TFI. They, they did the cloakroom. How they did, I not literally know did that? the cloakroom. Fucking hell. Oh, on TFI Friday. come up in Would I Lie to You? I don't think. Oh, no, they probably... Bloody <laughs> hell. Yeah, okay. He's probably keeping that one <laughs> Yeah, back. probably. But, um, and they were... And him and Rob were writing a little bit. And this was years before anything happened. And and so David was my... But, but David was a writer. And so he was my sort of friend who'd made it a little bit. Yes. <laughs> and so I said, Dave, come to the party. Because my mate, who's also called Rufus, has a friend who's trying to... Uh, do a pilot, and I introduced David to this other friend who is this six foot seven guy called Steve. Mm-hmm. And Steve <laughs> said, "Yeah, I'm, I, I work at XFM, and me and my mate Ricky, um, as part of my kind of BBC graduate thing, are doing this pilot." And David said, "Yeah, I'm doing a pilot with these two actually really good writers. It's like a point of view sort of sitcom." <laughs> and, and 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 because I just done a play, and I was feeling quite sort of Daddy Warbucks because I'd earned hundred quid a week or something, and and I remember seeing them both having this conversation, going, "Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's good to get the first pilot out of the way, isn't it? Because you know they're always shit." <laughs> and and uh, in case the penny hasn't dropped, the, the respective pilots were Peep Show and The Office. That is. And within 18 months, they the two of them had sort of redefined British comedy yeah, forever. Wow. And that's... and yet at that stage <laughs> You were being was, dismissive. Yeah. Yeah. That's Mr. Brilliant. Mr. King's head on Upper Street was kind of going, <laughs> Yeah, well it's, it, it's good to be doing something, isn't it, boys? You know. That is so good. That's like a kind of Forrest Gump anecdote, I know, isn't it? You were it's there. The anti- yes. Yeah. The but instead of being of... instead of being adorable, I was being a bit of a twat. That, no, that's that is brilliant. Oh, there was some God. great like male competitiveness going on in, in, in later episodes of home as well, I think you, you yes. touch upon, which is which oh, is yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, that yeah. sounds a little bit like that. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I did draw on that. There could be some expertise. <laughs> yeah. Um I I accidentally watched an episode of Peep Show, like because they're repeating the whole thing on um, Oh, are they? Either Dave or Goal, one of the two. And oh my God, it is so... Like it looks kind of... Like the early episodes look fairly basic. I mean, yeah. you know, but the scripts and the and the stuff they get into, it's, it's, it's just still brilliant. It's Absolutely amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, actually, again, without <laughs> this is awful. All my stories involve <laughs> name dropping. It's I mean, so do mine. And I'm not even, and I haven't but, uh, even made a proper <laughs> you know, award-winning uh, Channel 4 sitcom. But the, fir- the, the first thing I ever did was a, a, a sort of a very weird reality comedy called Bed Sitcom. Uh, where, which was a sort of Big Brother show where th- there were three punters, but then three actors, one one of whom was me, oh, pretending to be yeah. members of the public. Right. And and we would sort of play these sort of really sadistic sort of storyline <laughs> games on these people without them knowing. Yeah. And um and the writers on that were Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong. Wow. Who 
did Peep Show yeah, and now yeah, do yeah. everything. Yeah. And the Gibbons brothers, who now write yeah. Alan Partridge. Amazing. And so I would be work, sort of talking to them, sort of backstage of this Big Brother compound. And you know, he'd be Sam, this is Sam, would be saying, OK, look, you're going to kill the goldfish tonight. <laughs> and we're going to replace it with the sort of body of a dead goldfish and, and carry that on till Wednesday. And then we'll, we'll meet again, OK? It was mental. That's fantastic. Wow. But, but, you know, then at, at that stage, yeah, it was, a, it was a show that had a lot of very, very talented writers who were doing that show. Right, <laughs> right. Know, so a lot can happen. That is that's fascinating. <laughs> and the Gibbons brothers have completely re- resurrected Partridge, haven't they? In, oh, in they're, they're, yes, yeah. they're, they are now sort of Steve's, um, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of channel yeah. Partridge. And yeah. they're about to do a sitcom with Daisy May Cooper um, and Tim fantastic. Key. Oh, fantastic. Great. Yeah, all wow. about a witch finder. Oh, amazing. Which sounds like yeah. the most amazing combination and subject matter. 100%. Yeah. So well, we're now, I think we're getting into TV news. This is a lovely oh, segue. Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to mention that Partridge thing, because he's now confirmed that he's done a, I think I mentioned it last week a bit, but he's doing an, a, a Partridge thing. I'm not sure if it's a wonderful series where he goes around like a travelogue, oh, great. which is going to be hilarious. Yeah. He's doing a podcast as Alan Partridge, which is going to be hilarious. And there's going to be a series two of, um, of this time with Alan Partridge. So the whole wow. thing for Partridge fans like me, I mean, I'm obsessed. This is like yeah. he- heaven, heaven. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's doing all those things. Because Steve doesn't sort of need to, and, and yet right, he sort of, it keeps, it's like Pacino in The Godfather. Yeah, dragging exactly. Him back in. Yeah. And I think that that is largely testament to Neil and Rob. Gibbons, exactly. Yeah. Because I think they, I mean, Steve obviously can channel that character like no one else, but they provide him with so many alternatives. And so many. Yeah. A brilliant sort of, yeah, sort of, um, I don't know, renewals of the character. Yeah, exactly. He, he can't say no, which no, is brilliant completely. for all of us. Beth, have you got any TV news have, that, uh, you know, we, we don't need to go on about it as much as we do sometimes. Jane will sit here, you know, recounting character names from Dune, yep. you know, for hours. And we don't need to do that while he's not here. But you have, what TV news would you like to bring us? A free in, a free in, isn't it? This is wonderful. For, I don't know, though. It's like, and yeah, it's like, I feel it's like, like betraying missing, him. Yeah, missing mm. the abusive brother. Yeah, right, now, exactly. You know. exactly. Like, where is he? Yeah. Oh, he's a Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, the Shrink Next Door. Yes. I'm very excited for this. Uh, so this is Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell um, reunited since Anchorman for oh, a TV wow. show based on a podcast, which I'll be completely honest, I'd never heard of before, but apparently it's very, very good. Uh, Michael Showalter is running the biz, running the show, um, who does Wet Hot American Summer, so just that wonderful weird comedy that I live for and then Georgia is it Pritchett Georgia Pritchett for oh, yeah, who brilliant. wrote uh, Succession obviously mm. is is going to write it so I'm very very excited about that oh, yeah that is exciting yeah um, what else have I got Christopher Hidju joining Witcher which yes. is I think which is a uh, blessing and a curse I think because obviously he's incredible and I love him and adore him and he's going to be good comedy value but also it's just I, what I liked about Witcher is how stubbornly it was trying to break away from Game of Thrones and this just lands it side by side with it. Um, so I think that's a shame. And then the last one, guys, I'm doing well, aren't I? Yeah, this um, is right. <laughs> last bit, Tilda Swinton, Parasite, maybe. Yeah, oh, oh in the TV version. Yes, maybe, yeah. So this is the only this is the only way I'm going to allow this. If her and Mark Ruffalo do the HBO TV show, then I can That's then I can let them off. That's pretty impressive. Then Bong, I yeah. let you go on. I but, know. Uh, you can only <laughs> assume that director Bong 
knows yes. what he's doing. Yeah, you, you have to, don't he's you? He's not just taking the money and running, is he? Oh, he wouldn't, would he? He wouldn't, no. You're, you're director Paul. Yeah, and now he could do whatever the fuck he wants, Come can't on. he? I mean, he people is, are going to... He's like a vocal anti-capitalist, so I'm yeah. sure he won't just yeah. be, like, cash-grabbing. Yeah. Of because Tilda Swinton's been in his films, hasn't yes. she? If, um, he? Yes. She was Snow in Snowpiercer and another one, I can't remember which one. Thank you. Twice. Thank you. Oh, yes, amazing. Well, good work. I watched Snowpiercer again the other day. It was on film four. Have you seen Snowpiercer? No, I haven't. I know it's legend. It's such an incredible film, isn't it? It is amazing. It's like a proper slow burn. It's not even slow, but just a kind of... It literally goes from the the working class end of this train Mm. in post-apocalyptic world that travels around the whole earth and and, and goes right up to the front end where the ultra-rich people are, and it's so brilliantly done. I mean, his class thing that is clearly... Yeah, it's just phenomenal, yeah. And she is hilarious in that. Oh, my God. She's northern in that. Yeah, she puts on northern rand and teeth. She's got kind of false teeth, and it's a whole thing. (laughs) We've watched it. Yeah, you'll love that, yeah. Um, The news that I have hit upon includes the the start to film of Line of Duty Series 6. Mm. Line of Duty fan. Oh, my God. Isn't it incredible? incredible. Again, that's that's a show in terms of plot. Yeah, if you if you think it's getting a bit busy, just watch an episode. Right, of Line of exactly. Duty. The helter skelter, oh my God. The, the the speed of the plotting. I I I, you know, some shows you look at and you think, if I really sat down as you did and wrote the thing you want to write, rather than just telling people you're writing a thing, um, I think, oh, I can maybe try and do turn my hand at something like. That. But I watched Line of Duty. I think, how is he keeping so much plot going on? How is he writing such at such a pace? Uh, I, find I heard an interview with, with Jed Mercuria where he said he doesn't actually know where it's going to end. Right, I think uh, that's right. So yeah. he, he'll he'll sort of have an idea for episodes one and two, yeah. but beyond that, he just sees where the writing takes him, which is amazing. That is phenomenal. You know, you can do that in comedy yeah. to yeah. an extent, but my God, with a a thriller like that, I, the the balls it takes, yeah. frankly, to sort of huge write like balls. That. Yeah, but I oh my God, yeah, that's real event telly. For it me. is, yeah. And Kelly McDonald is the new um, the new kind of guest lead, which is I mean, perfect, isn't it? Like his casting is incredible. Yeah, I think. Mm. Um, oh God, so yeah. that's exciting. So they'll put BBC put out pictures of the filming of that, and that will be I think later this year they're confirming. I assume the autumn at some point. Um, and Vicky McClure's got her own series that mm. she's going to lead called Trigger Point, huh. which Jed's company is producing. Jed McCurry's company is producing. And she's and it's all about um, people dealing with bomb disposal. She's going to be a bomb disposal oh, wow. specialist, which I think sounds great, like that she's going to help, you know, she's going to be at the forefront of this uh, drama series, a kind of thriller about bomb disposal people. I mean, what's True. not to love about oh, that? Good, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm excited about that. Westworld, are you a fan of Westworld? I've never gone into Westworld. No? Okay. No, I, I was all ready to catch up and then I heard that the second one yeah. was a bit of a it was, it was a bit disappointing <laughs> it, or it, it was, was so complicated it was so it complicated sort of Beth you, were you Westworld no, no I will at some point it, yeah. it's in the okay. it's in the back catalogue well there was a new trailer anyway they put out a new trailer um, I think this morning as we speak on Friday or maybe last night and for West so I I loved series one mm. and series two I was infuriated by right because right. it did get okay. really bogged down in kind of th- or it almost felt like that lost thing like yeah how, how lost kind of exactly. kept this loyal fan base and then slightly yeah, you know, I, sort of piss people off. It was like that, and I'm famous. I was pissed off by Lost. Right. Yeah. But also, so many timelines. There's like six, seven timelines, I think, in series two, maybe even more. I don't know because I didn't really understand it properly. Yeah. But the trailer for series three is phenomenal. It's incredible. It look so, and first of all, they seem to have ditched the Western 
Um, the whole Western thing, oh, okay. if you like, has gone. And this is all futury and gleaming glass metal things. Mm. And the visually, it looks incredible. All the core cast are back um, in Tandy some way. Newton still? He's still in it. Oh, Tandy wow, Newton, fantastic, yeah. So they're all back, yeah. Which I look, it, 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 And from the two and a half, three minute trailer, I'm, I think I'm back on back board, in. yeah. So that was that was very exciting. Because that's the good thing about Amazon and Netflix shows. They can they can dip and they're allowed to yeah. dip. Yeah. And then sort of, but they'll still renew it. And the writers feel conf- confident enough to kind of go right that didn't work yeah, yeah I think so. new yeah. world you yeah. Know? yeah yeah like right. I, was, I was saying with narcos you know they yeah. just adapt it as they go exactly it's yeah amazing sort of privilege and that is interesting isn't it? i think was yeah. was a pretty big hit for them even, yeah. even series two even though people complained sure about it millions of people yeah it's like for hbo i think it was one of their yeah. one of their biggest shows yeah um and the only other thing i was going to mention is that um there's a show called elite which is a spanish teen show right okay. which is a bit like skins meets big little lies i don't know if you've heard of it and that is back um on march 13th series 3 which are fans of Elite it may only be me oh. in the world but that's an exciting show but I'm glad it's coming back okay. March 13th yes there we go that is that is your news now Rufus do you want to stay for the review section where we bang on about do you know um, I might why not <laughs> yeah, I'm going to chip in, in. Yeah. And, I'm, yeah and I'm not going to right okay no judging. I'm giving you the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. But you know, if you want to ship on any of these but things, I'm please interested. do. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Good. And of course, we have got the final. I don't know. Have, have you picked a uh, banshee? banshee? Okay, yeah. good. Yep. Or maybe do you know the banshee section? Where oh, we, is that the long lost? The thing. Yeah, the longest thing. Or maybe you could be the judge of which of our banshees okay. is you prefer. Yeah, when yeah. We get I'll, to that I'll be chief at, banshee at the end. So. I'm not okay with this. Arrives on Netflix this week. That is the name of the show. Never, you folded your arms. I know, as I did. Because I thought I could just say that and say I'm not okay with this, you know. But that is the cun- cunning. Physicalized it, boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the way I am. Um, as I say, from the creator director of the end of the effing world and the producers of Stranger Things, it's based on a Charles Forsman graphic novel that I've never heard of. Beth, were you okay with this? That's the kind of thing that James would say. All right. I'm just. I just thought I'd stick to the to the to the rough format. Okay. Um, yes, I was. Okay. Um, I absolutely fucking love End of the Fucking World. Yeah. Um, a large part of it is I love Charlie Covell's writing and I love Jessica Bardin. Um, that role for her was yeah. matrimony. It was it was gorgeous. Um, so I was very excited about this. I haven't seen the It films. Now, the two stars in this were both in the It films, yes. weren't they? So we've Stephen got, King's It, yes. Stephen King's It. So we've got uh, Sophia Lillis, who was also in Sharp Objects, handling a very, very complicated, yeah. heavy role very, very well. And then there's a kid called... Well, he's kid, I guess. Uh, Wyatt Olaf, Olaf, um, who is kind of, I draw comparisons to Ducky and Pretty in Pink. Yes. Um, yes. Down to a very uh, naff, funny, adorable dance scene. Um, and the two of them together are very agreeable. But the concept is um, Sophia Lillis plays Sydney. Um, she's coming to terms with her identity um, in the wake of her father's suicide. And she finds that during bouts of extreme rage or shame or or negative thoughts. Um, she has these spontaneous bursts of energy that do things like knock over bookshelves or do big cracks in the wall. Mm. And um, and then it's got this gorgeous aesthetic as well. You can really see he's just purling that straight from all the good bits from End of the Fucking World, this real nostalgic, romantic Americana feel yeah. to it. Uh, banging soundtrack, obviously. Um so yeah, I I it took me a minute to get into it. It is very because it is set in America, whereas before it kind of glamorized America in a British 
setting. This is now his his bash at America. Um, and I found it a little bit shaky in the first episode or two, but once they relax into it, I was I was really on board. Yeah, because it's, it's, a, it's a proper teen kind of, it, 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 to use the, I hate the word tropes, but it does, it's kind of touching upon lots of different teen tropes. And she's like, he's the kind of nerdy guy, as you say, who kind of um, actually is a really kind of attractive, you know, funny, engaging guy, but he's supposed to be the kind of slightly nerdy outsider, isn't he? Slightly awkward, but he's fantastically washable, isn't he, in that yes. role? And she's she's pining after, you feel like, her best mate. There's a little bit of interesting ambiguity there, isn't he? But the best mate goes off with a jock, yeah. the athlete jock. So it's definitely dealing in high school American things, but I felt it did bring something new to it. It felt fresh within that context. It's kind of similar to sex education, as you, as mm. you mentioned, feeling somehow feels fresh, even though it's dealing with a lot of types in a way. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that this is like 15, 20 minutes long each episode. Did you oh, notice that? Music yeah. to my ears when yeah. I got that through after right. the 90 minute pilot of Punters. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. <laughs> literally get like five yeah. episodes of this but into that. Because the end of the effing world kind of was quite, they, those weren't, I think they were 25 minutes, like not quite half hours, yes. which yeah. I thought people enjoyed. But this is even shorter. Yeah. And I think it really works for it. Like it's like bursts of... Netflix have really been playing. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, it, yeah. There was it, a good, what was that amazing sketch show that Netflix had last yes, year? Um, yes. Thing like I think a, you should leave. Yes. Thank which you. was 15 minutes long. Right. Yeah. And and every British comedy writer I, I, I met after that said, well, yeah. of course that's what it should have been all along, yeah. 15 minutes exactly. yeah. for a sketch yeah. show. And it really works for the show because it is so heightened and isn't it? And it visually, kind of, as you say, you know, kind of um, uh, very stylized as the end of the effing world. I feel it's also like so the Stranger Things, the guy's um, pad, like hangout thing, yeah. is exactly like the basement bit of Stranger Things as well, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Like it's very, very similar. When, of course, that's set in the 80s and this is like he's still clinging on, isn't he, to the past, this character. This set. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I think you can't. I can't. No, you pin can't it pin it. Not a yeah, smart Netflix world. It's Netflix yeah. world. Exactly. Like such a case. People say the same thing yeah. about it. And the end of the fucking world. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it works really well. I think they're all great, aren't they? They're yeah. Just, uh, I think they're great. I think the dialogue's really good. Kind of. Is it for a adult audience? Do you think, or is it for a sort of twenty-something sort of? I think it's. Audience? I think it's for late teens slash early yeah 20 audience but I think you'll get I think you'll get a lot of audience being served yeah. in ways that they've never that's been right before. they are yeah really and I think it's yeah. euphoria yes exactly. as a father of two girls is the most terrifying oh I bet <laughs> oh my god I bet but my yeah. god I mean, if, imagine being in your sort of teens yeah. or 20s and sort of that coming yeah that's yeah. right amazing yeah. definitely I, sex education I think oh, yeah. is, is I wish that every generation had that show growing up and that conversation and that yeah. dialogue Such around a, sex. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Such an inclusive, interesting show. Yeah. And this thing has those carry moments, doesn't it? It's like a kind of comedy yes. carry yeah. in a way that where things happen, she can't, you know, she kind of has telekinetic powers effectively. Yeah. Um, but the way they deal with it, I think, is really feels really new and different. Yeah, I, I really liked it as well. Um, I Am Not Okay With This, which we liked, is on Netflix this week from Wednesday, the 26th of February, dropping all in one go, as is their won't. And I think we really liked, both liked it. Now, Flesh and Blood, comes to ITV today, Monday the 24th, and he's running four nights in a row, Rufus. Oh, they, they do that? And they do that yeah. now, yeah, yeah, sometimes. And this is really interesting. It's written by Sarah Williams, who adapted The Long Song, which was a really good uh, BBC um, series, and Case Sensitive she worked on, which was hardly anyone watched, but I really liked. Um, it's directed by Louise Hooper. Almost the entire production team seems to be women on this show, which I think is, has to be mentioned is interesting. And it's a real family kind of drama slash thriller. Did you watch um, Gold Digger, which went out last year on BBC One. Oh, with Julia about, Ormond. Yes, yeah, yeah. Julia Ormond. I saw the first episode. Did you? Right. Yeah. So you'll know that that was about Julia Ormond having this, this 
this relationship with a younger guy all of a sudden, yeah. her family, her three um, uh, grown-up children being furious about the whole thing. Yeah. This is similar in the in the sense that Francesca Annis's character, who's a widow, widow, widower, has a new relationship with Stephen Ray's character. Oh, he's not really younger. He's he's age appropriate, but. Her, her adult grown-up siblings, played by Claudia Blakely, Lydia Lend, and Russell Tovey, are all furious for various different what reasons. What cast! Yeah, oh, great, great cast. cast. It's a proper Whoa. ensemble, isn't it? And you're not quite sure so from the first episode, I don't think, whether it is a thriller or not. And you're not sure whether any crime is going to be committed. And the and the great on top of all those people playing these this kind of um, angst-ridden family is Imelda Staunton oh. as their neighbour, who kind of pokes at, who's telling the story in a way, isn't she? It's quite a good, clever device. She's sitting there explaining in from her point of view what's gone on with this family that she's known for years and years and years and watched them all growing up. I'm biased because I'm a huge Russell Tove fan and, I'm, and, I, and I, you know, I, I know him and he was a guest on the podcast and love him and he's great in this. He plays, so his character is one of these grown-up siblings, is a personal trainer, a hunky personal trainer. <laughs> and I, Knowing Russell as I do, who, who's always in the gym and is spectacularly He gives buff, good hunk. He gives he? good hunk. He yeah. <laughs> gives brilliant hunk. Yeah. And he also, he is... Um, Separated from his his wife, but they're still kind of um, have a kind of ongoing, interesting relationship. And he's also because he's running out of money, he's got a gambling problem. He ends up sleeping with one of his female clients, one of his older female clients. And you're not quite sure how that's going to how that's working, and whether you know she's basically kind of paying him yeah. for additional. Yeah, treats yeah, on top yeah, of yeah. the PT, let's just yeah, say that. For a warm so, yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So there's a lot going on. I, I think, I really like this. I'm, I, I'm biased, so I'm putting it out there because of Russell. <laughs> but I, I, thought, I thought, so comparing it to um, uh, Gold Digger, which was very over the top, Right, yes. deliberately, Quite I think. Baroque. Baroque. Thank you. Oh, what a great word. Baroque. Thank you. Operatic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Very festive. This, this is this is trying to be real. I think this is trying yeah. to be naturalistic. And what would you know? This was kind of what would really happen if a family of grown-up siblings is really pissed off with what, what's happening to their mum. They worry that this new guy played mm. by Stephen Ray is a dodgy figure. Yeah. But you're not sure. So it's like, is he or isn't he a dodgy figure? I think is the main kind of thrust of it. And because Stephen Ray is so brilliant, yeah. so brilliant, being slightly slightly creepy and yet kind of likeable at the same time. Well, it's funny because half his career has been playing yes. likeable characters like in The yes. Grand Game and then really terrifying characters. Exactly. Um, yeah. And and so it's like he brings all those right. all those parts to bear. He, he really does. He really does. Yeah. Completely, yeah. So what, it just right. worked for me. I, I believed I believed the characters. Right. I believed the dialogue. I thought I, I thought everyone in it was being was was really good working at the height of their game. I thought it was really well directed and it's set on a coast, I think Kent coast, I think. I think so, yeah. So it's got that, you know, almost every ITV drama now and I'm not it was just a thing yeah. has to have a beautiful coastal backdrop yes it's really yes. interesting that's often for the funding is it? Oh, that's good often. insight oh yeah. good oh, I wondered about that often it's because okay. because kind of uh, TV channels kind of have, right. have certain bag it, bags uh, of money sort of for certain regional representation oh you see so if you kind of go oh well th- this is a show set in uh, the northwest. Yeah, then you open yeah. up a certain amount of kind of funding up there right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. you've got Broadchurch you've got yeah. Liar which is back next week which yeah. we'll probably review next yeah. week and now this which is they're all yeah lovely yeah. coastal vistas yeah. in the backdrop I, I really enjoyed it what about you Beth uh, yeah I really liked the format so it begins with a murder yes. so almost like uh, with Big Little Lies where it starts with a murder and you don't know what's going on and it keeps jumping back to the murder without giving anything away so that hooks me absolutely um, it's also worth noting that the adult children are not nice they're all no, a bit yeah. shady so yeah. it's it's interesting that they're calling out the character of this 
man that's appeared on the scene. But, you know, they've all got their skeletons. Um, one of the daughters is uh, having an affair. The other is is quite a, a controversial politician. And then Russell Tovey, who I think has got the best storyline, yeah, yeah, where he's does, yeah. essentially engaging in sex for pay so that he can try and take his kids to Disneyland um, and is kind of navigating mm-hmm. through this moral dilemma Um is is super interesting. It is. I don't know. I'm never too fond of ITV. I'm glad it's four episodes over four nights. I don't think I'd want to go back week after week for this. So I'm glad it's quite condensed. But that cast is is yeah, fantastic, yeah, and Imelda yeah. Staunton can do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah. That's so interesting. I completely forgot about the opening because I watched this weeks ago, yeah. right? And I haven't. And I didn't refresh my memory because yeah, it does set up that whole that whole crime thing. Um, is there or isn't there? And it's funny because I did an event this week. I, I spoke to various TV writers this week, um, uh, you know, off the record. And what was really interesting, we were all talking about how almost every show now, drama, has to start with a big incident, a big thing, a set piece thing, and then seven months earlier or whatever. <laughs> and almost everything, once you notice it, it really is yeah. the case. And it's interesting you so say true. that because I'm not okay with this. Literally, yes. with um, With the woman running character. down the street, blood covered in Drenched or red. In blood. Yeah, stop Absolutely people drenched. flipping. Yeah. That's the right. Thing. Stop people so interesting isn't it? I mean, it's apparently like Jed with the bodyguard yeah I, I always thought that, yeah. that amazing right. probably the best part of the series the train the train scene but that scene. but that was different because that was a 20 minute set piece but that wasn't that's a flashback true. or forward it was no, just, that was true. the beginning of the show and I think that's you see that's a, a, a better writer maybe or at least a brilliant writer who's not going to interesting so there's a time hop yeah time hop yeah. TV drama culture has become a thing and I think and from what these people these writers people working in this world are telling me mm. is that it's the commissioners that are insisting on it so rather than have you know back in the day you might have been allowed to have a, a little bit of a slow burn you know you're introducing the characters and you're getting to know them and then and the plot unfolds now you have to have a big plot moment right at the beginning and then you're allowed to go back yeah. especially if this is a, a kind of slow burn yeah. drama playing yeah. with ambiguity exactly. I, yeah. I imagine at yeah. some stage yeah, yeah exactly. ITV must be served yes <laughs> you gotta exactly yeah it's a, but they're all, I think they're all at it they're all doing it you yeah. know Channel 4 ITV BBC they're all yeah. kind of insisting on a big thing and then interesting yeah Anyway, um, but that is Flesh and Blood starts tonight, Monday the 24th through to Thursday. And I think, yeah, it's good that it is all happening, unfolding in the week, because I think people will be gripped by it. Mm-hmm. And finally, we have season two of the show, which famously costs more to make than Game of Thrones. Um, it's got, it's a high concept sci-fi thrillery thing that is a lot like Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, for season one, which was a couple of years ago, featured Joel Kinnaman fully naked for most of its running time as far yeah, as I can remember. Speaking of yeah, man after see. my own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kinnaman letting it all letting yeah. it all hang out, so to speak. But he's not in season two and he's now been replaced. <laughs> traumatized. Yeah, yeah. traumatized yeah. by the whole thing. Yeah. He's been replaced by Anthony Mackie of oh, Marvel wow. superhero mm-hmm. films fame. And I have to say, my first observation is key is he doesn't go fully naked, does he? But at least in the first, I mean he's naked. You have to be naked. So this whole thing is about it's set in a world where human the human soul and kind of the, 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 what makes you a human can be transferred mm. to different bodies or sleeves as they're known. Mm. So essence, if you like, yeah. can, you can live forever, but you're put in different bodies. And so cunningly, handily, Joel Kinnaman can leave series one. Season two, he turns into Anthony Mackie and, you, and he has to be naked because that's how it works technically. But they're much more <laughs> modest with yeah. the nudity than they were in the first season with Joel Kinnaman for some reason. I'm guessing because Anthony Mackie is slightly more, you know, like maybe slightly bigger fan base of people who know him as a Marvel figure and he doesn't want people still oh, framing his, his yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't across the street <laughs> right exactly not as bold as you that's what I'm saying <laughs> Rufus not as brave now there's lots going on but I'm obviously I'm, this is my main takeout from this first episode 
episode is the New Year's issue. Yeah. It is spectacular, isn't it, visually? Oh, gosh, the um, world building. The world building. Because it's, it's based on a best-selling novel, yeah. isn't it? Um, which I had not read. I, yeah, I, I, it's a very interesting concept. So, yeah, the, the stack can be transferred from... The stack, that's the word, From thanks. shell to shell or skin to skin. Yeah. But you can only continue it, I think, if you're wealthy. So only the elite yeah. can really afford to do that unless it's part of your job to continue. And, and in the first one, what's his name? Uh... Takeshi Kovacs. Yes. Just bridging all cultures <laughs> nice. here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he was he was brought on board to solve the mystery of a, a murdered um kind of elderly um wealthy man. Rich person. The wealthiest man person. alive he was. Yes. Played by James Purefoy in season one. Yes. Mm. Again, not in season two though. Um and yeah, and it just means that this concept means that he gets an almost like Doctor Hugh um, Doctor Hugh. Doctor Hugh. Hugh. <laughs> I'll just leave. That was the worst thing no, I could have done. That's brilliant. That's great. Well, they film it in Wales. Wales. Yeah, they, they do, yeah. Oh I mean, maybe, God. you know, it's going in interesting directions. It could be Dr. Hugh. Dr. Hugh? Yeah, next um, to Firmly Whitting story. Crap. <laughs> It'd be great. But he gets to do this Dr. Who. Yes. Glow up, where, um, you know, mm. it means that you can shapeshift and you can, you know, take on this entirely new physicality. And that physicality is, is you know... It is Anthony yeah. Mackie, yeah. who I last saw in um, a really terrific episode of Black Mirror. Yes, it was I really brilliant in that enjoyed episode, him yeah. in. I feel like the the writing did them a slight disservice with that. I wasn't too happy with the ending, but he got to do something really complex with um, sexuality and yes, and, that was so good. Um, yeah. Again, shape shifting, I guess, um, and what aliases can mean. Um, and uh, I really, really like him in this. The world building is absolutely gorgeous. You can see shadows of like Kubrick in there. Obviously, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, mm. oh, the new Blade Runner as well, I guess. Um, there's a great guy called Poe in it who's kind of an AI bank that's based on Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. which brings a real cyberpunk kind of aspect mm. to it as well. So it's a real hodgepodge. Yeah, he runs and- like the kind of hotel um, area, like comes like a v- where all the people gathered in the first series it was like the base for the whole operation world for web. Did you did you watch season one? I did not. Okay, so, so you managed I, but you managed it managed, made sense to you series season two. I was aware of the book okay. as well. Oh, okay. um, and I don't know a bit of reading up on it as well because I know people had some qualms to do with like the sexual violence and things in the first season, yeah. which are apparently dealt with a lot more elegantly in this one, which is really good. Um but I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. It's one of those things again where I just I had it in my catalogue and I was like, oh go and watch it and then you blink and the next season's out already. Mm, when yeah. did the first season come out? I think quite a while ago. Oh, right. like, yeah. That smashed yeah. my argument down. Um, Do you know, I know Alter Carbon because it's it's one of the most popular Netflix screensavers. Oh, so you know if you leave your Netflix on yeah. and you come back after half yeah, the time, yeah, yeah. it's fucking Alter oh, Carbon. Right. That's so funny. Like, really yeah. they, they push it really hard. Yeah. I mean, it was two years ago. Oh, all right. February well, that's, I have no excuses. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, though. It's interesting. And no wonder, because these things, it's so elaborate. It is absolutely yeah. lavish. And it, yeah, it really is. It's like, you know, I remember watching Blade Runner's one of my favourite films, and I remember watching it thinking, oh, my, I'm never going to see anything. I've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and, you know, I'm never going to see anything this elaborately world building and convincing. Yeah. And yeah, this is like, every, you know, like within 10 minutes, they're doing very similar stuff. I mean, I feel like the influence is almost almost too obvious in a way like yeah. it, it is noir it's like it's, it's a lot in dark a lot of neon mm. a lot of all that's happening so I, um, I was in a way it ended up slightly off-putting or slightly disconcerting and took me out of it a bit but I do pref- I thought it was a step up from series one I have to say from season one great. mainly due to Mackie possibly that being I love Mackie yeah he's great I, I think he's had such an interesting career I loved him in Pain and Gain do you know what I mean I think he can really yeah. he can he's happy to be adventurous with his 
choices in yes. career and yes. and that's led him there. Yes. Um, and obviously we're going to see a lot more of him with uh, Winter Soldier and... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I really, <laughs> And I did watch most of season one. I mean, I kind of was like, what the hell is going on? But it was almost yeah. like one of the things where it doesn't matter that much. You kind yeah. of just no. go along for the ride. I think the action sequences are so beautifully yeah. choreographed as well and slick and it's, that's, that's very, exactly. very entertaining. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think, yeah, we pretty much enjoyed So that is um, Alter Carbon season two and that arrives on Netflix this week as well. Um, I forgot oh, because I haven't written the day. I'm pretty sure it arrives on Friday the 28th, if not Thursday the 27th. Anyway, you'll find it. Um, <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, uh, also on this week, Better Call Saul starts again oh, tonight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, yeah, the Breaking Bad the final prequel. One, final, I think, well, that's, I don't think, I'm not thinking of the 100% convert, but season okay. five. Yeah, I think it will be the final yeah. one leading up to, you know, how that figure turns into the character when you end up being Walter White's yeah. lawyer. Yeah, Bob Odenkirk. That yeah, actor. incredible. Just, from my point of view, he has the perfect career. <laughs> oh, really? Because he started off doing comedy and sort of yes. a sketch show called Mr. Show That's with right. David Cross. Yeah. It was hugely influential. Yeah. And then you kind of blink your eye and he's in Little Women recently and yeah. he's on Better Call Saul. He can just do everything. Yeah. Incredible. Nebraska is amazing as well. Yes, oh, yes. But I bet it was always a f- fantastic oh, it's show. A tr- it is brilliant. It's transcendental. Kind of, it really is, yeah. So and, and, and quietly is hitting the heights of Breaking Bad. Yeah. In, it's not quite as pyrotechnic as Breaking Bad was, but in terms of character and yeah, story, incredible. it's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. So I think the only, we would have reviewed that, but I, I don't think, it's, it's, it's on Netflix, it's AMC in America, and I don't think they're letting people see it in advance mm. now, critics right. in advance. I think they want to keep it all. Mm. See, which is fair enough, but it's, does, so it's going to be weekly because it is. it goes on AMC. MC Weekly, so it's not like a Netflix binge show. But if any, you know, for some reason you missed the first four seasons, it's all there yeah. to catch up. And it's a brilliant, brilliant show. The Windsors is back. The very funny, I think, Channel Four comedy, a kind of alternative soap version of the Royal Family yeah. with Hugh Skinner, who you've, oh, he's, who's brilliant. I love him. That's William Harry Enfield as Prince Charles. If anyone's known, that's really fun. That starts tomorrow, Tuesday, the twenty fifth. The Twilight Zone reboot, produced oh, by Jordan yeah Peele Jordan Peele, exact ah. produced. That is kind of slightly slinked onto Sci Fi Channel. Okay, uh, here on. It's on Annual Now TV from tomorrow at nine o'clock. And that got slightly disappointing reviews yeah. from the American critics. But it's a shame because that cast is yeah. top notch. Right. But it's a different story every week, like the classic Twilight Zone yeah. was. Yeah. So that'll be interesting, I think, you know, to watch week by week. I'll watch anything he does. Yeah. Be I love Kuzala. Yeah. But who also exec produced um, Hunters, the Nazi yes. hunting yeah. thing. Yes. And The Walking Dead is back. If you're still in The Walking Dead, like James is, I think. James and I are still hanging on. That is back from its mid-season hiatus tonight on Fox at nine o'clock. Without further ado, though, we have reached the um, the uh, bit of the show where we try and dredge up a show <laughs> that might not be as well known as all the other shows we talk about and to remind people of the stuff, gold, golden stuff that's out there. It's called Banshee after the show, Banshee. I don't know why I'm explaining this to new listeners, but I am. <laughs> Beth, have you got a Banshee for us? I do. So last, uh, last episode, we started going on about, or James was for a very long time going on about uh, Saturday morning variety shows or kids yes. TV shows mm. where like a cartoon would be like hacked up and shown at like half hour interviews across. It got me thinking about Saturday morning television. It got me thinking about Live and Kicking with Zoe Ball and Jamie Thigston. And it got me thinking about a very obscure Australian teen show called Heartbreak High, oh. um, which came on Amazon Prime quite recently. And I was elated I was so happy <laughs> that this show from 1994 had um, leaked its way somehow onto onto the streaming service it was just an Australian teen show it wow. didn't launch anybody really apart from um, oh what's his name Calvin Mulvey who played a, a character called Trasic you'll see him in um, the, the biggest thing he did he was Jack Rollins in Captain America um, and it's just set in this this thing called Hartney High it's just a it was 
it just you know how you hear someone talking and it just sparks in you this memory yeah. mm. and it just got me thinking about that um, and it just deals with it's like Grange Hill but in Australia I guess I mean sounds great we talked about Grange Hill last week we did week. talk about Grange Hill, great Grange Hill was. Um, so that was mine that's all on Amazon Prime at the moment it's just quintessential 90s teen pulp I imagine most of the actors in it were not high school age either I was watching some of it this morning oh, really? and I was like well he's about 40 years old mm. um, but that was my bombshell Bombshell. 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 What is the matter with me? Unbelievable. Banshee. I mean, it is a bit of a bombshell, but yeah. Um, mine is <laughs> going to be name droppy. Um, so um, I did I hosted an event this week with Russell T. Davis and Nicholas Schindler. Ooh, um, lovely. Who worked together. It's about 21 years since they bought since Queer as Folk, which they made really? together. Yeah. Uh, Russell's the writer, Nicholas the producer yeah. with Red Productions. And um, it was brilliant. So I just got to talk to them um, about their whole career and about years and years wow. and what they're doing next, the next year's boys. But in my research for the whole event, um, I rewatched some bits and pieces, including. So he did the show Cucumber, which was like his mm. spiritual follow up to Queer as Folk about bunch of gay guys in Manchester older gay guys mostly focusing and at the same time he did this extraordinary thing so that went out on Channel 4 at the same time he did an E4 series called Banana which dealt with younger people LGBT people I remember marketing campaign for that in, on E4 you? at the same time and, and he, interestingly he talks about I think I can say this like without he's not, you know he said it in public but he once slightly regretted doing having these other and he had another thing called Tofu which was like a documentary thing about it so all these three things arrived at the same time yeah. which is an amazingly bold idea but in a way, it slightly backfired because it's slightly, I think it was too much to take in, I think, for people. So mm-hmm. not enough people watch them. But I want to mention Banana, which was the E4 one, because I watched some of it. It's so good. It's basically eight different episodes are created, written by Russell wrote a couple of them Charlie Cavell of, at the end of the effing world fame wrote one of them which was brilliant um, about trans character um, and Sue Perkins wrote one wow yeah which was really interesting oh, it's got Letitia Wright's in it oh for right? sake yeah. right. but you've won it haven't well, you well you know it's got great people it's got great Tania Miller's in an episode uh, Dino Fetcher all these great people Bethany Black who's a brilliant um, stand up and she's mm. actor, actor, actress and she's fantastic in it so yeah all eight episodes are on all four weirdly Cucumber isn't on all four anymore but this is Banana is so it's all there to watch for free that's my banshee just stop just stop it that's very good I mean you don't have to be, we don't have to, it doesn't have to be a competition does it no 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 yeah we live, we live in a universe where um, strange well, what was it called <laughs> well there we Sunset go Sunset Valley there we go Survival <laughs> Gold what was it called <laughs> <laughs> and high. cucumber and tofu and yeah. banana can exist. Yeah, I'll break by. That's yeah. yeah, they're all there to watch. That's there, the main thing. Tip my hat, boy. That can was. Can I just wonderful. say it's not a banshee, but I watched Happy Valley to my shame. Oh, recently, really, yeah. first time. Ah, oh, brilliant. Happy Valley one and yeah. two. Me and my girlfriend just we just mainlined it in about a week. Um, wow, it's still just oh, fantastic. Yeah, the greatest achievements. It's amazing. And you know there will be a serious thing. You know why it's taken so long? I think it's because they're waiting for the, one of the younger characters to to be to grow get old. Oh, yeah. And they don't want to replace them. I'm pretty sure that's the reason I read oh. why it's taking so long. Apart from the fact that you know Sally Sally Wainwright does it. She has other stuff. It's, it's a lot of other stuff. She In fact, Last Tango queen. new series started this weekend and is brilliant. I love yeah. Last Tango in Halifax. Just so. wow. Um, Chris Hewitt has joined us because who who has made this whole thing happen? I just want to mention Chris. Blue of course, well, you know, there's a new season of Blue Bloods, isn't there? That's because well, like, yeah, it's a new exciting. The new season of Blue Bloods, Chris, it never is, dies. It never dies. It's the it's on Sky Atlantic every hour of the day. Yeah, yeah still, yeah. and I believe the new season starts this week. And I was gonna, uh, yeah, it's exciting, uh, yeah. Isn't it? So there you go. I know nothing about it. I'm I'm I'm, I'm still in season three. Well, <laughs> oh, you've seen the same episode fifty-seven times. <laughs> That's to be sick and twisted. You come home 
whatever's on. That's it's the same episode of Blue Bloods. <laughs> I mean, but let me tell you right. about Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods is a show. No, I think I've done this already. You have done this already, to uh, be fair. But why, why, you know, I've only been here for a few minutes, but uh, uh, have you guys heard of a show called Better Call Saul? We mentioned it. I just mentioned mm-hmm. it. In, in my wrap-up of yeah. what else is on. Wrap up, in my wrap-up. Now, you, you confirmed this. Rufus was saying, is it definitely the final season, this fifth no. season? No. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. One more season to go. Ah, okay. there you go. Which technically means that it's going to have a longer run than uh, Breaking Bad. Yes. Wow. Oh, Breaking Bad had Maybe that's what I had season. in my head. Yeah. yeah. Those five yeah. seasons of Breaking Bad. Because fifth season of Breaking Bad is, was actually broken into two parts. So technically speaking, the back half is season six. Mm. But yeah, they've got two more seasons to go. And I don't know where it's going to end, and I'm very excited. Yeah, we're all we're all huge fans. We, we would have reviewed it if if they'd have given it to. I'm not, I know. I, to those, be honest, I didn't even double check. Mothers. Yeah, that, but I'm not blaming them because I didn't. Even, I didn't actually say to them, "Is it going to be failure?" But I'm pretty sure it wasn't. You did not ask. For it. <laughs> I didn't. Basically, <laughs> all right. Now it comes I'm coming clean. Now I didn't ask. All right. I assumed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Derelict of duty. <laughs> I didn't fucking ask. James, James would have asked. Yeah. He would have done. You're right. I was too busy to ask. <laughs> Plus, I thought we could just bang on about how good it was. We're yeah. actually seeing it. That ruined it for everyone. So, yeah, that does Fair start enough. tonight, Monday. Thank you so much, Chris, for making this happen, by the way. You're the making hero. Making this happen. You, you did. I walked I... into a room and then I pressed a few <laughs> buttons. Honestly, that, that honestly it's a key element. Um, and thank you, to, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much to our glorious guests today, Beth Webb and Rufus Jones. And uh, one more reminder that Home is mm. on Wednesdays on Channel 4 at 10 o'clock. Yes, it is. And on all four and is phenomenally brilliant. Oh, thanks, days. boys. So good. Thank you. And we'll be back uh, next week. God knows he'll be here. I don't know. <laughs> Just Someone, hope Rufus, are you available? <laughs> yeah, if you want to be on every week, Rufus. <laughs> that was enough. Filming. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, bye. <laughs> Pilot TV out. That's what I'm supposed to say. Pilot I knew that was a thing that James says every week. Pilot TV out. Yeah. Pilot bye. TV out.